0: My children, it's time. It's time for Talking Elite with Adam and Lane and maybe some run-ins tonight. So I think it's going to be a good show. Um, very emotional show for sure. So hope you guys are uh, ready to talk and remember one of the greatest professional wrestlers. One of the greatest minds in modern wrestling. And of course we're talking about tonight, we're talking about Bray Wyatt. So before I start talking about Bray Wyatt... Let me introduce you to everybody's favorite bearded wonder. He is the Tennessee Titan. He is everybody's favorite Adam. Hey, hello. Yes,
1: excited, um, emotional about this episode. I mean, because it's just so sudden that uh, talk about modern wrestling and minds of modern wrestling. And, you know, Bray Wyatt immediately pops up. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about this and in remembrance of uh what he's done in professional wrestling in such a short time that he's been in it. So,
0: yeah, well, crazy. Cause you know, we're going to talk everything from his Husky Harris days to the Nexus to all the way, all the way up to, you know, the fiend and, you know, and just being Bray Wyatt, you know, at one time he was supposed to be the next big thing, next big undertaker. But unfortunately, as we start discussing, maybe his career wasn't as golden as a lot of fans thought, but he sure did leave one of the biggest marks in wrestling today. So hope you guys are ready for a great show. Uh, Mike's already in the chat. Mike, thank you so much for coming out tonight. Um, I hope you have some great Bray Wyatt memories and stories to share because it's going to be a great episode.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, We we definitely want y'all to chime in with, you know, what your memories are of your, you know, when you first saw, bray wyatt or husky harris or however you remember seeing him um you know make sure you you want to share down below go ahead
0: so you know um i messed up the show intro i was trying to think of something that bray would say like his whole i am the shepherd and i am leading the sheep to WWE." i am i am the WWE universe i just love the way that he spoke um whether it was you know when he was swamp bray wyatt and then The Fiend, too, like when he was playing, you know, the Steve from Blue's Clues, you know, creation mixed with The Fiend and had the Firefly Funhouse, man. He was really a great, great speaker on the mic for sure.
1: Yeah, no, he uh, he definitely um, took his innovations and raised them a little bit, especially when he got to the main roster and... I mean, it kind of started in FCW. We talked about his career. Um, basically, his his FCW days, I think, is where his mind started really developing character-driven, you know, characters, basically. Like, really back-detailing stories of where does this character come from? Where can I derive my character from? And I think that's where it all started, and he was really good on how he presented it.
0: Yeah, that for sure, man. Um did you? I didn't know this, but he went through like a couple different um, horror themed characters in between Husky Harris and Bray Wyatt. Did you know that? So he was. I'm sorry, state. I didn't hear that. Oh, you're good. Um, so he went. So when Bray was going through Wyndham, when he was in between Husky Harris and Bray Wyatt, did you know that he had a couple different um, horror themed characters in between then? No, I actually did not.
1: Um, I, I honestly, I knew Bray had that that whole background of loving horror stuff, and you know, kind of deriving from that as a character driven kind of thing. Um, and I did not know that that he, you know, that he was going to integrate it until he brought the Bray Wyatt character to FCW.
0: Yeah, so before um, FCW went over to NXT, um, the character that stuck out for a few matches um, was, his name was Axel Mulligan. And he looked like a cross between where Bray Wyatt was um, basically when he came to NXT and uh, Jason from Friday the 13th. And I watched, it wasn't a full match, but I did find a clip of him like doing like a run-in. And that's where I think his mind's starting to turn um, actually into his Bray Wyatt character.
1: Right, right. No, um, I, y- yeah, I don't. So with that, I think is with, with horror stuff too, it's very hard to kind of get that across on the screen I think the one example you see is The Undertaker. You know, when he came on in the 90s, you know, his character was literally, um, you know, a, a dead man. You know, it was literally yeah. someone that is paranormal and actually just, you know, it, it just, it, it just kind of came off. It's hard to get that across. You know what I mean? It's yeah. very hard to present that on screen, especially in the field of professional wrestling. It's very hard, especially... The 90s when it started to become character driven and everything like that
0: and especially i think like with like a company like fcw and almost nxt for but right before you know it traditionally transitioned to nxt but it's so hard you know to bring a character like bray someone like it without having that big budget like you would see on ron smackdown because you could shoot a lot of vignettes but without all the camera tricks on screen you know it's kind of kind of hard but that's one thing that f- I think fans actually did w- well to support Bray, you know, because think about it, a lot of the stuff that all of his angles really for Bray besides like all the compound videos and going to like actual swamp to film, you know, a lot of his uh, vignettes and the white families, a lot of it was fan participation after the lights went dark. A lot of it was him lighting up the fireflies and everybody in the arena having their cell phones out or lighter. I don't, you know, cause there's a couple lighters, but, looking like fireflies and I think fans really did a good job you know when Wyatt started doing the whole you know lantern gimmick side of it to bring that character to life. Right and a, a lot of people don't know
1: it but um what it was was it was it, the character he developed of, uh, of Bray Wyatt was kind of based on a movie character, if not a lot of people know about it, it it was based on a character named Max Caddy from a movie called Cape Fear. Um, It starred Robert De Niro and, you know, Nick Nolte and, you know, um, and and Robert De Niro's character was named Max Caddy. And he was this psychopathic, you know, person, um, basically like just a a sociopath, but he, he wears a little wine shirt. He talks in these cryptic, um, you know, ways and everything like that. And he was just so dark. Um, There's actually an original movie, uh, original Cape Fear, I think starred Gregory Peck as, as Max Caddy, but that is how Bray's character came to be is because he's inspired by that. And that kind of goes into the the horror theming that we talk about of where do we get that inspiration for that character driven performance?
0: Yeah. And looking at too, you know, it kind of makes sense with his dad and his brother. They're also both character driven based, you know, more so brave over his brother, Bo, but look at the IRS, you know, he, you know, look at all the inspiration he had with, you know, with, you know, with having his dad be literally the tax man.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's another thing is just when you have your, your legacy in there and your dad was known as IRS and, was known as doing taxes. And then you had other characters in there. It's like, oh, then you had a dentist and then you had a prison guard like um, a Canadian Mountie. Like you, you had all these characters back in that day of that era. And you don't see much of that anymore. Um, yet Bray had that idea of kind of honoring that kind of character driven. And, and it wouldn't much so be like, People say, "Well, well, Vince McMahon had these ideas of making these character-driven, you know, wrestlers back in the day, but it kind of dwindled down to generic stuff and between heels and faces." Um, and Bray wanted, I, I felt like you know, or you know, Wyndham um, uh, was, you know, if people know is Wyndham with Tundra uh, was his real name, but when Wyndham, um basically was like you know i have character ideas this kind of brings it back to the memory of those character driven performers back in the
0: 80s and the 90s you know it's you know it's crazy to see a lot of the inspirations that he took to make the bray wyatt character you know if you look at it too like i feel like he also i feel like there's a lot of influence from like jim jones and you know and charles manson as well as you know of course the horror movies that he's you know, credited to making, you know, almost every iteration of the Bray Wyatt character. Um, and then to see Wyndham go, like sit down, I said, and now we'll start talking, you know, he had, I don't really remember him as a whole lot as Husky Harris. Do you recall anything besides him just being in the Nexus? A little bit.
1: I remember I remember a little bit of Husky Harris. Uh, ba- basically what it was was um, he, it, it all started at when NXT started with both, uh rookies and the pros. And if everybody remembers, his pro was Cody Rhodes. Um so and they would they would train they would you know the pros would walk the rookies on how to do stuff in the ring, how to work promos, you know, and basically have them do matches, you know, be in their corners for the matches. Uh and you know when he was uh basically doing Husky Harris uh he, he actually debuted uh, on the main roster at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view to help Wade Barrett win his match against John Cena. Um, That's where he was because I think it was at the stipulation where uh, the Nexus couldn't be involved. Uh, They were barred, but then him and uh, Michael McGillicuddy, they showed up and cost John Cena the match. And that was when the world actually saw Husky Harris on the main roster for the first time. Um, and basically, from there, he kind of just blended in the background of the Nexus story. Uh, he just became another face on that, that group. Um, and um, he, he, you know, when CM Punk took over the group, he kind of stuck with it. Um, but then, you know, after a while, he went back to Florida Championship Wrestling, kind of redeveloped some stuff. kind of work a little bit more on his ring stuff, kind of work, basically work on his, also work on his, I would say, body. Because if you remember looking at Bray back when he was Husky Harris, a little on the heavier side, but when he went back down to FCW, did some stuff there, you could see the change in both his appearance, in both physical and just the look, the aesthetically look of it. Um, So that's as much as I remember of him as Husky Harris.
0: Yeah, he, like it was just a brief time. I think I remember Husky Harris like when I was watching, started watching. Um, but it was like it was one of those things that I remember him more from a from a video game, if that makes sense. Like because he was on, um, oh, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like right before Two K took over. It was I think it was like when the last Raw versus Smackdowns, and I remember like he would always for some reason Husky Harris would always do a run in. On my game for some reason I don't know why <laughs> it was it was always Husky Harris and Michael McGillicuddy and yeah you know and I was like seeing I'm like who the heck is Husky Harris and then finally after a few years and you see Bray Wyatt I'm like oh okay gotcha and it was just, it's crazy also to look at how he's changed like body wise going back to your body white weight comment but man he really made like what two different body transformations you know, from the Husky Harris, uh, almost like a Southern, there's Southern boy looking character, you know, to almost looking like that, you know, Jim Jones kind of weight where he looked, he was not, you know, muscular, but he was still fit. And then of course, when he came out as the fiend, man, he, he really turned his life around. I think he became one of the like, most athletic, like at least built strong guys in WWE, you know, for the last couple, you know, iterations of, um, you know, his his career there before he passed.
1: Yeah, no, he, you know what? It, it was, the, he, he slimmed down a little bit uh, from the Husky Harris character into the Bray Wyatt. But when he was um, first released by WWE back in 2020, 2021, I want to say, he was actually, there was a lot of pictures of him at the gym getting in really good shape. And he was in really good shape, uh, you know, up until his, his last days. Um, and, uh but that's just, I, I mean, it's just amazing how you can see the, the, the transition of, of that, of seeing him, um, you know, going from that character to Bray Wyatt and actually having the physique to pull that character off. I mean, we've seen it in many other wrestlers. We see, I mean, Big Show dropped a lot of weight, um, You know, and he did that train when he worked that transition. Um, I mean, a lot, a lot of people you'd see slim down. Um, Some people gained the weight, you know. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But, but, but Bray really, really went to his physique because you can tell in some of those earlier matches, he was, he was a little gassed. You could tell.
0: So. You know, that, that is true. Like it, it really took him a little bit, I think, to get that you know, that that built the where he wanted it to be. Um and then you know, leading up to now, it's like he made his you know huge NXT debut in what two thousand and thirteen? He wasn't there for a long time. Um he wasn't NXT for a long time before moving up to the main roster. Or you know.
1: yeah, no, he was yeah, he was there for a little bit. Uh he was NXT from 2011 until about 2013, so about two years, Um, and then that's where the Wyatt family kind of took up, and then you know he kind of, you know, in 2013 is where he you kind of saw the Wyatt family integrated onto um, television, so onto you know the main roster.
0: Cause I know they would debut, so, you know, later in, um, 2013. Um, I can't remember how, do you remember the reason why they debuted or they just started doing vignettes? I can't
1: remember. They started doing vignettes. That's, that's all I can remember.
0: Yeah. Um, so, it's kind of a little hazy. Uh, if you don't mind off. lane, I'm
1: going to step away for
0: just a minute. All right, yeah, bud. You're good. I can keep going. So, yeah. And so 2000, you know, in July 8th, you know, he would make his you know debut on the main roster and then um, when Adam gets back, we'll t- we'll start talking about some of his um, some of his notable you know feuds because I feel like I feel like you know he had a lot of momentum at the start you know he won the world championship but I think then it kind of just kind of not snowballed but he had a lot of ups and downs for sure but there was some really cool stuff I I have to admit though going back and like watching some of those vignettes uh, just pop up you know with the Wyatt family, that compound, it literally felt like I was watching a cult leader and watching a, you know, intro to a, you know, come, come join our cult. So I give a lot of credit to Bray, you know, for just, you know, I bet a lot of the ideas from what I've heard came from him and it was just, it was, it's just really crazy to, um, to see. Um, if you guys have any memories of Husky Harris or, you know, early Bray Wyatt, uh, drop them down in the comments below and I'll start reading them my way for Adam. But You know, he had a lot of great feuds for sure. That those first, you know, couple years in the main roster, you know. Um, I know Kane for sure comes to mind in that Ring of Fire match, that one was just crazy. So he faced off, you know, against Kane, um, at uh, SummerSlam on August 18th. Um, don't know why they changed it because I know it's just a Basic infernal match, but I don't know why they said the ring of fire. Must have been a Vince McMahon like brainchild. Um, so that was it. Was just a really interesting way, I think, to introduce um, Wyatt. So basically, with that with that match, it kept out the Wyatt family, so it was fair for you know Kane and um, Bray. So it was a very fun. I remember, I think briefly, it was very fun. Um, I can't remember who won. Give me just a second. I'm trying to see who won that match, but I think it was, um, I want to say, I want to say it was, uh, I want to say it was Bray. Let me see. Give me just a second. I am sorry, y'all. I'm trying to keep everything going. Um, unfortunately, a couple of our, uh, colleagues tonight aren't feeling too hot, so they fortunately won't be on. Mm -hmm. Um, so, Hopefully that they feel better for next week. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's try to see who won. Don't remember. Anyways, but yeah, I think I think that was like when we started seeing Bray, you know, his promo, especially with John Cena. Um, that really gave me a lot of creepy vibes. I've, I still feel creeped out by it um, with John Cena and his... Uh, I don't know, it was just just really creepy. Like, just the whole causing a child to cause a distraction and seeing, you got the whole world in your hands. And that, I remember like, just gave me chills. Like, there was a few goofy moments, but that gave me chills. The original introduction of Bray Wyatt was probably one of the best. Um, So, I don't know, I feel like like with, with Bray passing and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to kill as much time, but I was well wait for Adam to get back. But with Bray passing, it was probably one of the hardest, I think one of the hardest wrestler deaths to affect me personally. Uh, of course, I know last week we had um, Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt Bull pass away, literally a day apart. Um, of course, I was upset for Terry Funk, but Bray, there was just like with Bray and same thing with Brody Lee, Luke Harper, that I've never experienced before. I'm you know, looking at it now it's you know it's it's like I think it's because like you've you've watched these guys you know pretty much since I started watching wrestling um because there was a few years after of course when I saw bray but um but there was just something like the way that I feel like bray like you never fans never were against him they just hated the way that he was booked and of course we'll talk about that here shortly but it was hard. Like I remember, I didn't. I thought, I thought my girlfriend, fiance, almost wife was, like joking or got her wrestlers confused. And I remember she messaged me saying, "Hey, um, Bray Wyatt died." I'm like, "What? No way!" And then I get onto our group chat, and it was just emotional. Like seeing all of us. Like we were all stunned. And um, I don't know. I feel like you know it was hard because. There was a lot there's a lot going there was a lot going on, you know, I was excited for to see Bray. And then all of a sudden he was gone. And uh that was that was really emotional. Like I, I literally remember just crying in my truck on the way home as I heard it. So yeah, it was it's it's this one's a hard episode to get through. And I do apologize. Um, there's a lot of great talking points, a lot of great things that we're gonna discuss here shortly, but it was just there's a lot of it was a lot of motion that day for sure. And my fiance, she never watched WWE or watches WWE, you know. Um, but she knew a uh, Bray more of the fiend character because of Alexa Bliss. And you know, I remember like she still that little experience that she had with Bray just for because she was watching the vignettes and the videos with Alexa Bliss, because she's a huge Alexa Bliss fan. Which is weird because she doesn't watch WWE, but she loves Alexa Bliss. But she, but she had that memory of the Firefly Funhouse and watching Alexa Bliss and Bray be this very dynamic, interesting dynamic duo of Steve from Blue's Clues. So that one was really it was just and for her to say some kind words and say, man, like he was there was something great with him. And there's a lot of that what could have been with Bray. You know, he was a world champion, tag champions you know, and he had a a decent match, I would say, at WrestleMania with Undertaker, even though he was hurt, and of course, Undertaker was a little older, but a lot of people, and I'm going to, and I'll ask this question to Adam, too, but I'll ask this question now in the comments, do you guys think that Bray should have beat Undertaker at WrestleMania? Do you think it should have been the passing of the torch, and do you think Bray should have won that match? Because I thought so. I think that, you know, you have one of the greatest new characters, you know, he's was a few years in the business by but you know, you had on the one of the next could have been the next Undertaker. You know, the next, your next, almost like that, that character driven wrestler that you can make thousands and thousands of dollars off of. Fans are behind, fans love him. You know, not many wrestling fans, you know, give that same love and support that they did to Bray. And I think that's kind of the thing we got to look kind of deeper into. You know, as we were waiting a, a brief, you know, intermission with Adam, but not many wrestlers get themselves over and just think about what is their character, and then break it down like, like Wyndham did. You know, Wyndham was a very smart guy. And okay, what what is Bray Wyatt? You know, okay, um, I like that he is a cult leader. I like that you know, I like that, you know, I like that he you know, I'm you know, I like the cult aspect of it. Yeah, you know, I like the nuances of, you know, of the supernatural, and then just taking inspirations from, like, how Manson speak. And if you ever go, like, go watch Manson, especially in his court videos, um, I, I'm not sure, 100% sure on this, but, you know, going, listening to some Manson's uh, court videos, there's a lot of nuances to how he would speak and how Bray would. And then he would be very, you know, philosophical, you know, philosoph- you bring a lot of philosophies into his um, his character for sure you know and just looking at that and then looking at how he came up with the fiend the fiend that one was that one that one was very interesting for sure so when you look at the fiend kind of get to look at it like in a broader perspective and the fiend was almost like almost like it was almost like a gin gang Because you had the baby face that Bray saw him to be. You know, he had the Firefly Funhouse. He had his friends, you know, Mercy, you know, Mercy, you know, he had Mercy, you know, the witch, you know, Husk is the pig, you know. And then I can't remember what uh, Vince's um, character was. And, man, it was just, just to see all that come together, it was like, it was I was watching it constantly. Every time that a vignette or something would show on you know on Raw or SmackDown, I would instantly watch it. It was something that was great and unique for sure. Um, Mike um, says um, I've seen that Eric. i seen the Eric Rowan interview to build up tonight's episode. Uh, thank you for going back and watching that. Um, that one was probably one my favorite interviews to do for sure. And I wish we could have had more time with him because I would love to have done a deep dive. With him and all his time with the Wyatt family for sure. Um, Mike also said, asked if we could, if we could get Braun Strowman to celebrate the Wyatt family. I wish, uh, Mike, um, but unfortunately, there's a lot of channels that um, you have to jump through to get to WWE, and you have to know people. And unfortunately, with how small our show is right now, that's probably not going to be a possibility for a while. But we thank you for the input, though. <coughs> Hi, Adam,
1: sorry, I'm hey, I'm sorry, I, I'm lost. So, if you want to bring me up, oh no, to speed, you're good. I, I, was just, I was just, I, had I was just something going on. I had a oh,
0: no, you're good. I was just kind of um talking about, I guess, like, I just kind of went more detail, like, on my emotions about Bray Wyatt, like, from like you know, finding out about his death and then kind of talking about how a creative guy he was. Um, so let's start talking, yeah. About, yeah, for sure. Let's start talking about his feuds now. Um I know his one of his first feuds was with Kane. And it was in that ring of fire match, but it was supposed to be but it was basically an inferno match. Um I can I think Bray didn't Bray end up beating Kane in that match, if I remember correctly. I believe so. Yeah. Uh let me see here. I was trying to find it on Cage match, I couldn't find it. But the story behind yeah, that one was uh, yeah, it was a feud with um Kane and they wanted to keep the Wyatt family out. So the fair match between him and you know him and the mayor of uh, Knoxville. Crazy how <laughs> how you know a demon became mayor. Still still crazy, I mean.
1: Yeah, I think the most the most symbolic part of that ring of fire match, which let's be honest, it was an inferno match, uh <laughs> but was how they carried Kane out so symbolic of you know with even with bray walking in front with his arms out and you know the imagery of that just kind of sticks with a lot of people's memories of that match um i know he, he did that I, I know the wyatt family just attacked a lot of people i know kane was the first one then after that was yeah. kofi kofi was the next person they they kind of targeted um and that was bray's next match i
0: believe yeah Let's talk about um, the Wyatt Compound Match. Since you brought up Kofi, the New Day. The oh White yeah, White, that was like one of the first. Wasn't I was like one of the first big faction feuds at the time with, with. Um, that was one of the first big factions feuds that the Wyatt's were in, or, or was the show before that? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that. no,
1: no, no. I mean, before that, the Compound Match actually. Um, there's instances of Wyatt family feuding with both Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that led up to uh, Wyatt defeating Bryan at the Royal Rumble. Uh, and then they would go on to cost Cena the world title against yep. Randy Orton. Um, they attacked uh, Seamus, Bryan, and she- uh, uh, Cena. Uh and they would go face uh,
0: face the S.H.I.E.L.D., of course. Which, that, uh, that in itself was a dream match. That was what, Royal Rumble, correct? That we had that one? That was Elimination Chamber. Oh, Elimination Chamber, sorry. It was Bright um, yeah, yeah, was-
1: And then yeah. that's where his feud with Cena happened, um, which a lot of people were... Um, uh, we're very upset about that Bray did not go over. Uh, that was his first match with Cena uh, on the main roster, and a lot of people were upset that, uh, you know, this Wyatt character was catching on, and a lot of people thought that was the moment that you push that character because uh, everybody saw it as Cena being past what he needed to be. He already accomplished so much that he should be at that pro level of pushing younger talent over and putting them over. Um and everything like that. Um and so that happened at WrestleMania, um, or is what um Wyatt likes to uh consider back in that during that feud the error of lies uh <laughs> according to Wyatt um and try to make Cena a monster uh so that was pretty much the whole storyline with him and Cena. Um, Got the whole and that, and that was and that was actually uh, Wyatt's yeah. first loss. Uh, it was his first loss on the main roster since he came up. That includes singles and tag matches with the Wyatt family. Um, and yeah. then uh, that's when they had another match. Uh, Wyatt defeated Cena in a steel cage match at Extreme Rules. Uh. Then they f- finished off with a last man standing match at Payback, uh, and Cena buried Wyatt under equipment to win the match.
0: Um, very, very sorry. underwhelming victory, wasn't it? Could yeah, yeah, no,
1: I, yeah, no, that, um, that whole feud with Cena was kind of weird. Um, in the end, though, Wyatt did. Even the odds against Cena because at that point Cena had gone up two to one on on Wyatt. Yeah, um, I know I'm jumping ahead, but then they wrestled again at a Firefly uh Funhouse match. Oh my gosh, at, that was at a WrestleMania! Awesome. Yeah, that
0: had nobody that there. only good thing about the pandemic was the In Wyatt Cinematic,
1: yeah, and Wyatt ended up winning that one to bring the record to two, two. So,
0: yeah, thank goodness, like for sure. because we'll talk more about it once we talk about the fiend but man like that was probably one of the first times cena started or for the first time that bray literally was starting to job out to some of the bigger stars yes. i feel like he was always that you'd have a great feud but it was always to like the whole stereotypical rise above hate or turn on bray kind of thing you know because if you look at it he had you know Brian Danielson, that was my favorite storyline that Bray was. If he was going to lose to somebody, I'm glad it was Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, when he would, when they had that feud where Wyatt, or where I wish it was a little bit longer with um, Brian Danielson being with, you know, being with Wyatt. But I loved that tag team and having, you know, and having, you know, Luke Harper be like, Hey, like something's wrong. Like he's going to turn on us, turn on this. And then he's like, he's my brother. He's not going to turn on us, and then just that visual of Brian Danielson ripping off you know his Wyatt jumpsuit and having you know his normal you know maroon tights we know now. That was such a great moment, and then having the yes movement come back. I feel like that was a really great way to kick off you know more Brian you know Brian's you know babyface WWE championship build up.
1: Yeah, no, um, I agree. I wanted to see more of that, um, especially his matches with Brian. Um, just that cage match that he had with them, and, you know, Brian finally taking over, taking off the Wyatt family like jumpsuit and just being like, nah, I'm done. Um, and, you know, it, it was such great storytelling um, between Brian and, you know, um, uh, uh, Wyatt, and it actually led to a little bit of a reunion with um, uh, hell no, uh, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> yeah, hell no, uh, because they were both feuding with the Wyatt family, so you kind of got a little bit of a reunion of that, um, which was great, uh, so but yeah, I honestly wanted to see more of that feud between Brian and, and Wyatt,
0: yeah, um, thank you, Brenna, so much for uh, coming out and. Um, hope you share some of your favorite memories of Bray Wyatt. Um, thank you so much for listening, and then uh, Jellystone. Stone. Uh, yeah, it was it was very hard to hear for sure. Um, so thank you so much, Jelly, for listening. We appreciate you as well. Uh, now, kind of looking at it too, like kind of looking at going back to like the 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 Wyatt compound match there. That feed with the nude was pretty good too. Yeah, I thought that was some good storytelling, but. I don't think it was the. I don't think it was. I wanted that twist to happen though. Um, do you recall the Wyatt family compound buildup and how they were trying to recruit um, Xavier Woods to join the Wyatt family, and he was almost showing signs of being, you know, almost in a trance or brainwashed and questioning the new day. Um,
1: vaguely. Um, again, this was an error where I I, 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 yeah, I kind of left. WWE, so I kind of tuned in and out of it a little bit. Uh, I think in that, Wyatt kind of intrigued me a little bit to kind of keep up with what WWE was doing, but at the same time, I wasn't really into what WWE was doing at that time. That's where I got into, like, Lucha Underground, and, like, I watched a little bit of Impact. Um, but uh, but as I remember, I think it was Kofi that they were targeting um, to try to turn on both Big E and... Uh, Xavier. Oh, it was Kofi, um, right? I'm
0: and, sorry.
1: Yeah, Uh or maybe it was Xavier. I can't. I think, again, it, was a, I can't I think
0: remember. it was Xavier because this... it was one of the. Yeah, it was he... one of the new game members that they were trying to join.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was Xavier because the, he just had a feud with Kofi, and Kofi knew about, you know, about you know, with everything with the Wyatt family because of that feud. But yeah, I think it was Xavier showing the signs again. That's that's just good storytelling going into that match yeah. and going into that feud. Um, of, you know, can we – it just goes to show how brilliant of a mind Bray was when it comes to storytelling of can a character corrupt a good person? Like can a, a a heel in the wrestling business corrupt a good person? It goes back to the story of how Bobby Heenan showed up with Andre the Giant on on Piper's Pit to confront Hogan where – Andre was supposed to be a good guy, but now he's corrupted by this bad manager in in Bobby Heenan. The same thing we're seeing with uh, Don Callis in AEW is, you know, he's trying. I mean, Wednesday's episode, if anybody watched Don confronted Sammy and said, do you really trust Chris Jericho? Kind of corrupting his mind of, can you trust him? And Sammy just says, get away from me. I I already know what you're trying to do. So it it was the same thing with the Wyatt family, especially Bray trying to be that that's I would say like that almost priest or whatever godlike kind of being over yeah. overseeing power on on Xavier saying, listen, they no longer care for you. We will accept you into the Wyatt family And it kind it kind of it was really cool to see. Um, but yeah, no, I think that feud with new day was, was also a very
0: interesting one. Very, um, very Messiah complex in that one for sure. And I was hoping that Xavier was going to turn on the new day. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like I was, I hated the new day. I, I thought they were just a fortnight skin pretty much. (laughs) Um, but I was hoping for something really cool to come out of that. Um, so you know a lot of Ray White had a lot of interesting ideas had some really great promos. And then one of my one of the one of the, the best kind of tag teams, but kind of terrible story you know towards the end in you know, a terrible Wrestlemania match um, with Randy Orton. And yeah and yeah. I love that that dynamics between the two and the vibes that Randy was giving me. But then you just have that really weird WrestleMania match where you had the bugs and all that crawling yeah, he, on the he, wrestling ring.
1: Yeah, before we even get to that match, we have to acknowledge the fact that before that match happened, Bray had just won the WWE title, his first singles yep. title in in, in in WWE. And it was out of nowhere because it came down to the fact that in that match, um, he... It was crazy how you what you saw in that match because you had John Cena, AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, and Baron Corbin with Wyatt in that match. And, and John Cena was the champion going into that match. So everybody assumed, oh, John Cena is going to just win this whole match. But once he was eliminated and it was just down to AJ and Bray, nobody knew what was going to happen. And a lot of people are like, well, AJ's going to win the title again, you know, because because he he just had the title. So now he's going to get it back. And Bray wins. And it is the most shocking thing anybody's seen, but the pop that crowd had for it because they were finally getting something different as a champion. And someone that had a, it, it was almost as shocking as when they put the title on um, Jinder Mahal. It, it had that shock value but in a good way yeah um with putting the belt on Bray because this was a character that got the crowd involved in every story he he put out there. That was the brilliant mind of Bray Wyatt. he 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 had stories out there he had feuds out there. he had promos out there where the crowd would read into his character and be like, I know I'm supposed to be booing him and hating this guy because he's a bad guy and a villain but I kind of see where his promos and his characters coming from. And I love it. So when he won it at Elimination Chamber, it was like, awesome. But then you had the twist of, okay, Randy Orton is finally given his dark side. He's joining the Wyatt family. But then however, however, he he turns face again and says, no, I want the WWE title. So I'm going to, I'm going to face you at WrestleMania. And Randy Orton basically burns down the Wyatt compound which at that point when he did that and you saw Bray's reaction just laughing because Bray knew he's like dude this is great like he you could see on his face that a it was his character but B that this was working the story with Randy Orton yeah and so that match at WrestleMania you thought okay this is gonna be a great match we're gonna get a solid match between these two it's gonna be back and forth it to be solid it's gonna be like a 25 minute match reality, that match was only like 10 to 15 minutes. It wasn't a long match. And in the end, you had the weird Bray Wyatt things of the bending backwards, which was still cool. But then you had the bugs on them. It had to freak Orton out. But then Randy Orton just wins. So it it felt like a cut short of a Wyatt ring that probably shouldn't have happened. Um, But it did. Um, And so... I I don't know how I felt about that match with Randy Orton at WrestleMania, but I am glad that Wyatt got that world title when he did. Was it too soon? I don't know because we say was it too soon for Sheamus to beat John Cena for that title? Was it too soon for Jinder Mahal to win the world title? I mean, we talk about these these guys and we're like, is it too soon for them? Are we, you know, doing too much or putting them on the spot too soon? But Bray had really developed from the FCW days, from his Husky Harris into this Bray Wyatt character, that WWE saw something. They're like, let's give it a shot. And I honestly believe that it was Vince McMahon who said, nah, just give this guy a title for a month until Russ Manuel will give it back to Randy. It's got to be. I mean, that was it. It was a a Vince move. Hunter Hunter believed in a lot of those guys in development. You know, so, and that I think is the, the only overbearing quality of Paul is that he understands of development guys, getting them to the main roster and putting on good matches. You know, he's not more so of let's get these guys character. No, let's put them in the ring and have them have good matches. Unfortunately, because Vince is still CEO and overlord of the whole thing for the time being, he's going to have some input.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was sad to see that. Cause then he also had a lot of hair misses, as well with that. Uh, one of the worst ones that happened, I can't remember if it was the next WrestleMania, but or if it was it was pretty soon after WrestleMania wise, where the rock just destroyed the Wyatt family. And I feel like yeah. that was another nail in Bray's coffin at the time.
1: Yeah, that was actually um that was WrestleMania 32. That was um that was the WrestleMania year prior before the Randy Orton match where uh, Bray wasn't, the Wyatt family had nothing on the card. Um, and so to do that, they confronted The Rock. And it was actually Eric Rowan who challenged The Rock to a match. And The Rock beat him in like eight seconds. Um, and Almost the was second
0: fastest, right? Is it second yeah, yeah second Yeah, almost. Brian yeah, almost. Because Daniel, Brian Danielson has the first <laughs> against Sheamus. Was it Sheamus? Six or seconds. It, it was six seconds, actually, six if seconds. I remember. Six yes. seconds. Yes. Uh,
1: and they were about to attack The Rock, but then John Cena came back, and they kind of ran away. <laughs>
0: oh, that was just – that was the first time I was like, really? Like, this is when I was getting really upset about Bray's – I think getting upset Bray's how he was booked. Do you think he, I don't know it was as bad as like how Zack Ryder was, but do you think because he got himself over, do you think that's why they would, that's doing, that's kind of why they uh, started doing the things they did to him and having him basically be the, the in between, you know, you know, between the big matches with some of your stars, like Cena and Norton.
1: Uh, I've, th- for my money, because he was still in charge of creative at the time, Vince, pretty much because I'm, I'm sure Triple H, uh Paul was the one in Vince's ear saying, give, give Bray a chance. He's got a great creative mind, blah, blah, blah. And Vince said, okay, we'll give him a chance. But after a month, Vince was like, I don't think this is going to work. We're putting the title on a, on a, an experienced vet. We're going to go with Randy. We can go so many ways with this. Um, uh, you can also you gotta also remember that also at that time, um uh after that Orton lost the title to Jinder Mahal. So you went from John Cena to, as champion to Bray Wyatt to Randy Orton to Jinder Mahal as champion. Because then you had the whole... gender though I thought he beat Styles for it. No, it, wait, he might have. Yeah, so... Because I know I Styles was AJ, you're right, you're right, because... No, he did beat Orton for it, and then... Okay. Uh, he did beat Orton for it because Styles was the one that beat Jinder for it. Um, But Orton was the champion when Jinder beat him, and Jinder hadn't been on a good winning streak. He was losing a lot of matches. He won one number one contenders match... Um, to face Orton, beat him, and won the title. And it was weird because they had set up the storyline between Orton and Wyatt to face each other at House of Horrors match. For the WWE title. It was supposed to be the WWE title, but Jinder beat Orton for that. Oh, that's right. So it just became a regular House of Horrors match, um, which I think was a big, huge mistake. You should have had it for the WWE title and not give it to gender, But they were doing India tours, so I kind of understand what they were doing with that, yeah. with Jinder Mahal's character, even though Jinder Mahal himself is from Canada. Uh, but that neither here nor there. Uh, but they were going on tour in India, so they thought, we need an Indian champion. Um, but the fact of the matter is, that house of horrors match might've been such a better match if it was for the title, but it was just a regular, like weird cinematic match, which Orton and Wyatt gave it their all and God bless them for doing that. You know, um, because after that, you, you kind of just, you, you kind of saw Wyatt kind of like dwindle in
0: the background a little bit after that. So because I feel like you know he didn't really have anything noticeable between that and then uh, leading up to, yes, when um with the uh, at Hardy and um, Bray Wyatt as tag champions, and then that leading up to or then have before that though having that huge, you know, match at the Hardy uh, compound, And the mower of lawns making it in the Lake Reincarnation. Yes. And do you remember the name of
1: that team that they
0: created? It was uh the Eater of work team Eater of Worlds or no? The Leaders
1: of Worlds. The Leader
0: of Worlds, yes. Oh. Yes. It was such a weird like the leaders the leaders time frame where, like when they were like mix matching like songs. Because they did Matt Hardy's dude, dude, I will delete you and then to the whole lantern thing that Bray Wyatt did. Ugh. that was kind of that had potential Adam. Had, it did it, it
1: really did um honestly i thought that team was was going to be around for a while because i really liked that because you had uh before that you had Bray trying to go back after the uh universal championship um And he lost the number one, uh, the Fatal Five-Way match uh, uh, to Samoa Joe. Um, And so Wyatt kind of started, that's where his feud with Balor started. um, When Balor was under his Demon King character. Um, Yes. And then, um, then that's where his feud with Matt Hardy came in and Matt Hardy reverted back to his broken Matt Hardy um, gimmick. Um, And again, that's, you know, they, you know, they feuded. uh, And they had the Lake of Reincarnation match. uh, Or the, yeah, the the Hardy, the Ultimate Deletion match. Sorry, I couldn't think of it. Uh, uh, Ultimate Deletion match uh, where Bray was tossed in the Lake of Reincarnation. And he was off of TV for a while up until WrestleMania 34. Um, and that's where he re-emerged as a new-looking Bray Wyatt. Um, and him and Matt, he helped Matt actually win that battle royal, the Andre the Giant battle royal. Um, and they won the tag titles, you know. And I honestly thought, They were going to hold on to him longer, but they lost him in their first title defense on pay-per-view to coincidentally Curtis Axel and Bray's (laughs) real life brother, Bo Dallas.
0: Isn't that interesting? Uh,
1: I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it was interesting. I think it was, I think it was Bray giving his brother the rub.
0: Um, Really? I
1: I think it was. I think Bo had worked really hard in the, in the, the development in the, in the FCW and the NXT. I mean, Bo was, nxt champion but he really wasn't anywhere on the main roster with titles or anything he was kind of a joke he had that bow leave kind of gimmick Bo and so i i think bray I, I honestly believe bray had the idea of like listen we have these titles but i think it's time my brother gets some gold like i'm pretty sure he's like he's worked really hard i'm, I'm sure it was a group effort of even paul you know, Paul. Triple H saying, yeah. yeah, cool. If you guys want to drop the tag titles to to your brother and Curtis, that's fine. Um, because, again, that's that's two guys that come from a lineage of family wrestlers, of a res- family of wrestlers. Like like Bray is, you know, him and his brother had IRS. Mike Cortunda is their father. Curtis Axel's dad was obviously Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. You know, so it was kind of like, I feel like it was Bray saying, you know what, let's give these guys some gold. They've earned it. They deserved it. I don't need gold right now to develop characters. I honestly do believe Bray just didn't really care about winning a lot of straps. He just wanted to portray characters and tell good stories and have awesome matches. And so then losing the straps, um, that, that kind of helped it a little bit to actually give Bray time off because during that feud, Matt got hurt, um, got injured. So he he took time off for that, and the team kind of just disbanded. And that gave Bray a little bit of a break, uh, which was good because I think Bray um, uh, creatively after he hit the best is where he's not in the ring and doing it. He, he took a break. He's like, I need to develop something. Um and I needed to develop a really good character to get over with the crowd and just tr- try to push myself differently. Um, and, and that's what I enjoyed about it, was that it gave him time to kind of develop character.
0: And then now, looking at it, you come up with the Steve from Blue's Clues meets Michael Myers. Yeah, I no... Was- uh- so confused on that first iteration when he first came out as uh, wearing a sweater all lovey and did you miss me i'm like where is this going it had me intrigued from when i first saw the first episode of firefly funhouse
1: yeah no and that's that's where it was they were airing um god i can't think of the v word uh vignettes thank you yes they were airing vignettes about these characters, these puppet characters, and everybody's like, what the hell is
0: that? Because they were you in, like, know? weird and, random spots throughout backstage, too.
1: Yeah, and they were. They were popping up in, like, backstage segments with people being interviewed and, you know, stuff like that and people feuding. Like, you had, like, uh, Rabbit, or whatever his name was, or something, Ra- Rambling Rabbit. like Rambling Rabbit, yes. Back, like, moving, like, during, like, when, like, Two of the female wrestlers are yeah. talking, you could see them in the back there just moving a little bit. And you're like, is that a freaking puppet back there? And it got people intrigued. Um, and I mean, if everybody can remember that uh this uh and I forgot to mention this, not not only Max Caddy was an inspiration for the Bray Wyatt character, um, there's an old wrestler uh, named Waylon Mercy. Waylon Mercy. Um, who also goes by Dan Spivey, Dangerous Dan the Le- He went by a lot of names, but he also developed a character named Wayland Mercy. Waylon Mercy's character was a Max Caddy inspiration, and yeah. Bray took that and the Max char- Max Caddy character and the Wayland Mercy. Pretty much that's how he developed Bray Wyatt. I I, I forgot to mention that too. That was also inspiration for Bray Wyatt. Um, but you had the, the the puppets were uh Mercy uh, the Buzzard. I have them written down here. Mercy the Buzzard. Uh, Abby the Witch. Rambling Rabbit. And obviously, uh, an <laughs> call callback to the Husky Harris days and Husky's, Husky's the, the Big Boy. boy. Yes. Um, oh, dude, and then there, a was a man a dance. Evil, there was an evil Vince McMahon character, too, that what was,
0: What was his name? Because that was some really good shit. Like, I'd always say, that's got shit. And he even said that's good shit.
1: It was it was it was basically Vince McMahon, but with devil, Um, which how Vince McMahon allowed Bray to get away with it. I think it was at that senile age of Vince. It's like, oh, that's good shit. That's funny. I think I lost it. Yes. Not not knowing Bray was actually poking fun at Vince saying that you literally suck, dude. Like, this is me poking fun at you and saying that you literally have done nothing to help me you know, creatively. And you've told me certain things that I don't like, give me the creative freedom. So that was a poke fun at that. Um, and, and that was cool because during those segments, he never showed up in the theater. They were all pre-recorded. So people were so excited when the vignettes would air, especially when Bray was on the vignettes as the fake kid show host. (laughs) Um, and you know, he had one where he destroyed the old, uh, Cardboard cutout of when he was with the leaders of worlds. Um, and that's when all the whole, uh, the light, the way and let me in. Let me in. Um, that's basically when you saw a different character developing on Bray Wyatt. Um, <clears throat> and then you saw the introduction of sister Abigail puppet. Um, and then, um, uh, you know his character on the on the Firefly funhouse got a little more darker attire started wearing his cutout gloves and he became more sinister and then finally like one episode it just he opens and then you just see the fiend mask and it just blew people away they're like whoa and from his time away what I read was he was working with a special effects makeup guy who's done tons of horror movies. He did Slipknot. He's in
0: Corey Taylor's mask, too. And he's
1: done Corey Taylor's, yes. He's done Corey Taylor's, and he's done horror movies. But he developed this mask with Bray because Bray had an idea for this mask. Obviously, Bray was a big horror movie fan. And so um, the Fiend mask just, it shook people. And they're like, whoa. So then that, that's anticipation of when are we going to see this Fiend character like in person? Because this is interesting. Like it's terrifying. Like the fact that WWE got away with that kind of character in a family-friendly environment because that's supposed nice to like Christ. torment yeah. kids. Like that's that's scary to kids. You know what I mean? But kids loved it. And the crowd loved it. And obviously you finally see him show up. And who does he attack? One of his old feuds, Finn Balor. He attacks Finn Balor as the Fiend. He um, squashed Finn. He destroyed him. He broke Finn's neck.
0: Like I remember, it's just him going on Finn and just breaking yeah. him in his neck.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was a great spot. It just shows the and and the Fiend was nothing like Bray. Uh, if you watch the Fiend wrestle versus when you watch Bray wrestle the fiend is more sinister he's more aggressive he grunts he makes noises when bray wrestles he's laughing he's got the you know the expressions he's mm-hmm. you know talking to his opponent he's doing the weird bendy things and he's doing like but when the fiend he doesn't say a word he just mm, done gone that that was the fiend um and I think it really...
0: Um, really resonated with the crowd was that Fiend character. There was a lot of great things going on from the Fiends. I love the dynamic between... It was almost like a Jackal and Mr. Hyde.
1: Yeah, no, it was. um, Obviously, again, with Bray, it's that creative process. Um, uh, And again, it was his baby. It was his idea to come up with the fiend. Um, it was his idea to to push the boundaries of what he can do in professional wrestling, um, and the fact that the Fiend character went over so many people, and uh, literally, I it, it was crazy of how fast they pushed it. Um, it's unfortunate that it was Vince McMahon that pushed it because he saw the potential of money making from that character.
0: The mask, um figures,
1: the, the Max figurines, Puppets. all that stuff puppets like he's like i could make a fortune on this character which sucks because it it was bray's baby you know it was bray wyatt's baby which is good because i still feel like you're never going to have another person in wwe or for that matter professional wrestling you know imitate a character like the fiend you know when bray passed the fiend passed you you lost the fiend you're not going to get that character back it's not like a hulk hogan you know where vince says I created the whole Hulkamaniac like I created the character and you know Terry pretty much carries it on to this day but it's still mine because I'm the one who told Terry to carry that character yeah um and so um but with with Bray it was Bray's mind it was Bray's idea and no other creator no other promoter could be like ooh, I I can do that. Like, no, you can't, because that's not your idea. (laughs) That's stealing from somebody else that was a great mind in the business and understand not only the professional wrestling part of it and the storytelling, but but the entertainment. I mean, there's a reason why it was called World Wrestling Entertainment, (laughs) and that's what Bray did with that character. He entertained people.
0: You know, I feel like Bray, like, especially with the John Cena Firefly Funhouse match, During a time frame when the world was hurting, people were pissed off, depressed, upset, scared. I feel like it was such art that it took me away from all that was happening. Like, It didn't feel like an empty WrestleMania match. It was just a beautiful cinematic match where there were so many nuances that, going back to Bray's mind here, but looking at all the nuances with that, taking John Cena to his prototype days, and then how he would be if he turned heel and doing the NWO and just mimicking like all the big moments, the promo, especially is with Kurt Angle and him, you know, basically quoting Kurt Angle word for word. And then to have, you know, the Fiend literally come out at the end and destroy John Cena to end the match.
1: Well, I think before we get to that match, yeah. which, by the way, was also a very beautiful match. I, I loved all mm-hmm. the, the the callbacks, all the 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 spots of the NWO and basically saying Cena became what he always was against and we, we have to talk about his feud with Seth Seth Rollins. That feud was very complicated. Um I forgot about, the, it. I forgot about the, the, the Hell in a Cell match. The Hell in a Cell match was viewed as a very disappointing Hell in a Cell match. Oh,
0: oh was that the um, one where they actually, had like the red lights shining? It had the red lights but also
1: not only that, because people couldn't see anything because you had a red cell with red lights. like you—that That is very disturbing to the eye. But you had the weird ending to it of where Seth ended up hitting him with a sledgehammer and the match was over. It, it had confused people. I was like, it was a hell in a cell. Why would you end it in a disqualification in a hell in a cell? Um, so it left a lot of bad taste in people's mouth. Um, especially the live crowd, they booed. They 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 were negative about it. They said that might have been the worst Hell in a Cell match they've ever seen. Is that why um, Seth
0: Rollins turned heel after that? Was because of the fan backlash?
1: Yes, yes. But also, and unfortunately, it happened in 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 a Saudi Arabia event. I really wish it happened in front of an American crowd because it probably would have got a better reaction. But when Fiend finally beat Rollins for the Universal Title in a false count anywhere match. that's when he reinvented the blue title so when he because the title was red because it was on raw Mm -hmm. but when bray won it it changed to the blue color because he moved over to smackdown so he introduced the first blue smackdown title because that's where bray was as a representative um and it was great um because he also did a custom belt for the fiend And I don't know if the people remember that. It had the face, the face as the, as the plate. And it it had the words that Bray used was, you know, hurt, heal and let me in written on the belt. And it was such a beautiful, uh, a beautiful belt. Um, And little side note, if anybody watched Monday, well, if anybody watched Monday Night Raw, saw photos, one of the side plates on, Bray on uh Seth's World Heavyweight was title Bray. was The Fiend. In, in dedication to to Bray was the Fiend plate. Almost kind of like reminiscent of the Fiend belt that Bray had when the Fiend came out. And um yeah and, and he held that title for a while. Was his longest long, correct? He, yes, I think he was a two-timer.
0: Uh who did he drop it to? Because, uh, Goldberg. Oh, oh, I for- forgot he lost to Oldberg.
1: At the Super oh, Showdown. That was out Wait, of my let's memory. Not, Adam. Let's not let's not talk oh. about Super Showdown because that show was just a oh. cluster F. Um I mean, it was literally the- it was literally the one of the last pay per views to take place in front of a live crowd, basically. And you had the horrible tag match between DX and the brothers instruction that we don't talk about. We had you had the fiend drop in the title to a uh, past his prime Goldberg, who I love Connor, but still believes Goldberg's going to come to AEW. Um, but it was after that that's when you get the feud with John Cena, um, because that's where the whole story of Bray saying you took a moment away from me years ago that should have been my WrestleMania moment of beating you, you know? Um, and it, 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 and honestly, because it was WrestleMania 30 that he beat Bray at that honestly, Bray should have gone over. So they use that in this new storyline, which I feel like they use a lot. They re that kind of story of, This person got beat by this person years ago. So now I'm going to wrestle you again now because of that, like the past history. But this was done in front of no crowd. And the fact that they brought such a beautiful cinematic match, like I said, between that match and even though I don't think it's still his last match, the boneyard match between Undertaker and AJ Styles might've been the two best matches on the card. And they were both cinematic matches. And I enjoyed both of them. I was like, that's pretty cool. Those cinematic matches were pretty good. But that's that story was great. Um, and during that time, you got to remember, the feud went back to... Well, the uh, the Fiend went back to the Universal title after being done with John Cena, you know? Uh, and that was his only WrestleMania victory, by the way, Bray Wyatt's. That's um, sad. With yeah, Johnson, sad. Which sucks. So which I feel like he could have he could have won more, but also if he's been still around today, I think he would have been in line to win a WrestleMania match next year, you know, um, because of his popularity. Yeah. Um, heck, plans might have changed to where maybe he comes back and he's the one to dethrone Roman Reigns instead of Cody.
0: That you know, been- but...
1: Uh, and that would have, I mean, the crowd probably would have loved that too. Um, but then you had a former Wyatt member, Braun Strowman, as a Universal Champion. And you had him and Bray Wyatt feud over the Universal title, which, by the way, I loved. I, I loved it because it did bring back some of the Bray, the Wyatt family story. And you had the um, horror show. Uh, At Extreme Rules. Um, The Swamp Fight. At which point you had. Alexa Bliss. Show up in the story. Um, And. You finally had. At SummerSlam that year. The Fiend finally won. His second Universal title. Um, Unfortunately. That wasn't a long Reign as well because someone named Roman Reigns came back and turned heel. Um, and so I think in hindsight, his last reign as universal title, uh, it should have been longer. It, it should have been. I understand where they were going with Roman Reigns and making him a long reigning champion to break some records, but it's kind of the point where, Ray probably could have held a world title a little longer instead of just having the count of two time universal, one time WWE. He he could have been a multiple time
0: and a yeah. long reigning world champion at that point. And that's it's hard to say that, you know, but with just how unique and an individual he was. But the hard part is is you know, Fencing Man just would change his mind like he would change underwear. And unfortunately that played a little bit of his career. But the thing is, is fans don't, they won't remember that in years time. They'll remember him for his promos for his victories, for all the big moments in his life. Bray has left one of the biggest impacts of a lot more than most modern wrestlers do. And to have him come back after, you know, being released and then coming back and having that fan response that he did. Not many wrestlers can say they've had that.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I mean, his last feud, uh, he had one of his last few. I mean, obviously he refuted with Orton again, um, which was an interesting because he kind of – had the split fiend and you know he came back as the half charred fiend and then he came back fully First. regenerated. Um and then you know with his more return after he, you know, because he was released July twenty July of twenty twenty one or twenty yeah twenty twenty one. Came back in sep in October of twenty twenty two. But before that time they had during live events and commercial breaks they had uh, a, an acapella version of White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane Play. And a lot of people don't didn't understand what it was. And then the QR code started coming up. And so people were like, what is this? And then rumors started swirling. Bray's coming back. Because that's the only character they can pretty much connect that song with is Bray Wyatt. Because it's the only character that kind of fits that story of going down the rabbit hole and that's what bray wyatt's mind did when it came to creative his mind went into the rabbit hole and he pulled out the most imaginative the imaginative ideas that he could come up with and and he really brought something different to professional wrestling he brought something different to character development in professional wrestling to storytelling in professional wrestling um And you see I keep saying professional wrestling because that's what it is. Um, We can call it entertainment. Yes, it's entertainment. But guess what? It's pro wrestling. It's been since I've been watching it since I was a kid. It's pro wrestling, regardless of what you call it. Um, But And then, you know, obviously his last match was LA Knight, someone who, yeah, he's up there with age. But he's a fresh face in WWE. And he's getting over and I truly believe that feud with Bray Wyatt is the reason he's getting over. Um, it, it's I, I want to say it's like the Wyatt effect, um, almost like where you call it the butterfly effect or the Mandela. The Wyatt effect. Effect. It's the white effect, um, and everything like that. And it's so disappointing because I think the only story that was so interesting, you know, obviously the bloodline is a big interesting story, but I feel like that's dragged long enough was the Uncle Howdy story in WWE because you wanted to see where it was going. You know, you wanted to see, and I, I everybody knew it was like, well Uncle Howdy is Bo Dallas. That that's who's playing Uncle Howdy right now. And all these you hear all these stories about um of why of of his character and um of where they were going with it. And there were stories of bringing the Firefly Funhouse characters to life and creating a a stable of it. And you had names coming up that were going to join the group. You had, you know, obviously Bo Dallas. You had Grayson Waller from NXT. You had Alexa Bliss. Um, You had a lot of names um, that, you know, even uh, Eric Young, at one point was considered
0: to just he was signed with WWE the but they let him go. He was
1: signed, yeah. And um so he was considered to be one of the characters. I don't know who, but he was considered one of the characters. Um but you know, you wanted to see where it was going because his next feud would have been great cuz he he was going to feud with Lashley. That's the crazy part was his next feud was going to be Bobby Lashley. Because he had made a statement after his LA night feud that hey Brock or Bobby, whoever wins, you're you're next on my list. And I I I think a lot of people would have loved to see where that would have gone. Um but you know, with his untimely, you know, illness and um you know sudden passing, um which if everybody doesn't know, we explained it already. Uh, He had contracted uh, COVID um, and it had messed with a pre-existing heart condition, but he was getting better. Uh, They say he was getting ready to come back to the ring and then unexpectedly in his sleep, I guess, his heart stopped. Um, And uh, it's very sad. And it just goes to show that, you know, life is precious, and, um, you, you have to take it day by day because you don't know when the last day is and you have to appreciate everything that not only everything that's been given to you, but everything you've contributed that makes a difference in people's lives. You watch the tributes that have come in from every promotion, Yes, you know, especially AEW and WWE, you know, we we talk a lot of crap on WWE. You know, but it, it, it these are still people in a profession they chose to do. They they grow close relationships. They, they develop those relationships with those people over the years, over the decades. Um, not one negative thing came out about Bray. No, you know, every single person in every bit and every promotion and every every pro wrestling has nothing but love for the man. You know, you you see guys, I mean, we talked about it that most of the people missed dynamite last night to attend Bray services. Um I guarantee you WWE superstars attended that service. And I guarantee you all of those people intermixed together. All of them were hanging out together, sharing great stories about Bray and reconnecting about them with themselves. That's that's what it's about. It's not about WWE versus AEW and toxic fan bases. It's about people who make changes and make differences in people's lives and has the positive impact. And it's it's very hard as wrestling fans not to understand that we always look at a negative thing, which is the saddest thing ever. Because within the span of a few months, hell. 2023 for professional wrestling has sucked when it comes to losing people. We lost superstar Billy Graham. We lost Terry Funk. We lost Bray Wyatt. You know, the list goes on of who we lost. I mean, it just has, we lost draws. You know, Uh, we lost some, some, some people that we knew in professional wrestling. And those people make an impact on lives. And as humans, we need to understand that we're entertained by this by this sport, by professional wrestling. But the people doing it are also human. And they make a difference in your lives. Whether they're on your TV, whether you meet them in person, or hell, even if you're a pro wrestler, if you meet them at the job. So I think with the legacy of Bray Wyatt, I think this one kind of affected me almost like how Eddie Guerrero's passing affected me. When he lost, when we lost him in 05, um, it was very hard. Uh, I remember going to that raw after, uh, WrestleMania, uh, 22 wearing my, I'm your poppy shirt, you know, and I went with my dad, you know, my dad had been, I asked my dad, I said, dad, do you want to go? Like, I think it'll be fun. Said I'll get you out of the house. You and I can just go watch some wrestling. I'm sure you'll know some guys there. Guarantee you Rick is gonna be there. You know Rick, you know, and it was really cool. You know, it's it's the shared experiences that you kind of remember. And I, I think that's what Bray did. Bray had some shared experiences with many people throughout the pro wrestling world, hell hell, even in entertainment. The tributes came in everywhere from entertainers to you know professional wrestlers to you know to people who didn't even know wrestling but knew Bray. That that was the crazy thing. That's how much of an impact he made.
0: And that's that's Lisa, and That's the way that I'm glad that he made a difference in people's lives. I'm glad that people are able to remember him. Thank you for your kind words, Adam. I feel like that is a good way to end our podcast tonight. So um, we like to thank you guys all um, for coming out and remembering Bray Wyatt with us because this one this one was a hard episode to do is a very emotional one, um, so I appreciate all your guys' time tonight. Of course, thank you to my um, co-host Adam. You know, thank you for sharing your great words. Um, we I really do appreciate it. You you know, like Adam said, make a difference in someone's life. Be a friend. Be a brother. Be a husband. Make those memories. Make those stories because you don't know when your day and your time is up. So. Thank you guys so much for coming out tonight. Um, And we'll be back next week for our first in the series, uh, dark side of the elite zone. It's going to be a very fun uh, month that we have coming up Uh, next week. We are going to be talking all about sunny and how the fame basically went to her head. And unfortunately the downfall of the real person behind the character. So, Thank you guys so much for making Talking Elite a wonderful um, show every week. Make sure you guys hit down below, like, comment, subscribe. Um, You know We're putting out some great episodes like one tonight, so we appreciate all the love from Jelly to Brenda to Mike. Um, We really do appreciate it. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow night for our Rampage Watch Along here on the All Elite Zone at 9 p.m. And don't forget to check out all of our content going back to our Eric Rowan interview. Um, That one is up on Spotify as well. So go give that one a listen. Uh, Like us on X, like us on Facebook. And Adam, is there anything you want to say before you sign off for the night?
1: Uh, Well, as a wise man once said, follow the buzzards.
0: Thank you, everybody, for coming out tonight. And we'll see you guys next week for All About Sunny.